everybody. I'm Kelly Hellers. I'm Jeffrey Lennon. And this is Volume Up by The Tees. Hey there, beauty professionals. Are you ready to elevate your career, each other, and our industry? Today's episode is brought to you by the Professional Beauty Association, your go-to resource for all things beauty industry related. Whether you're a hairstylist, makeup artist, esthetician, or any other beauty professional, the Professional Beauty Association has your back. With PBA, you can stay ahead of the game with the latest techniques, products, and business strategies that will set you apart from the competition. Along with unparalleled industry insights and trends, PBA opens the opportunity to connect with like-minded pros, attend exclusive events, and build relationships that will elevate your career. PBA members enjoy exclusive perks and discounts on industry events, education programs, and top-notch products. It's like having a backstage pass to the best the beauty world offers. So whether you're a seasoned pro or you're just starting your journey in the beauty industry, head over to probeauty.org today. They're not just an association, they're your partner in success. So we're back with a new season of Volume Up, season three. Season three? Woo! How did we get here? That's, that is the question. <laughs> I mean, we had a little bit of a break and now we're ready to roll. Do you feel like you're ready to roll per se? Yeah, I mean, we actually get into that with our podcast guest today. Ooh. 2024 feels like everything's off to the race. Like it's come in like a lion, whatever cliche for, I feel like. Yeah. Is it lion? It's lion. Yeah. And out like a lamb, but it didn't go out like a lamb. It no, went it out didn't. like a lion and then came <laughs> right back in like a lion. Yeah. I just feel like 2024 is it's here. It's here. So it's here and it's basically the 4th of July already. So there you go. More or less. <laughs> <laughs> what are you looking forward to this year? Cause I know I mean, there's so much going on. So, so many things happening. Of course, it's also an election year. Yes. Which is something that we cannot escape uh, here in the U.S. at least. No. Um, what is like the silver lining for you? What are you hoping you know, that happens? I guess, you know, I like to embrace change and I feel that there's change. Change your foot. On the horizon, right? Change culture here at the T's, certainly. Um, so I'm excited for some change because I think it's okay to like, reboot. And to me, that's what the beginning of the year uh, feels like in in a way. And so mm. I'm excited for that. I mean, I think our team at the T's have done some incredible things in 2023. And to build on that momentum, bursting into 2024 mm. is something that I'm also very, very excited about because we have a lot of cool things planned. We do. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's I like that outlook. Um, I, I'm excited about seeing people in person again. Oh. Uh, it felt like 2023 towards the end of the year things slowed down in terms of events this generally happens but you know this industry is about these big shows and some exciting smaller things that are happening and i can't wait to see some people in person i'm with you so also new is a new season as we alluded to right and a new season means (laughs) that we officially get to usher in new quick takes which happen to be you know one of my very favorite things about the pod because Mm. when we have guests on we're like okay that was great we got your story but now we're gonna ask you we're gonna dive a couple layers deeper and i almost feel like sometimes we should do that at the beginning of the pod because people just come alive right and they're like oh oh i've got some answers for you so In case you are new to Volume Up, our quick takes, what I refer to, are what we ask all of the guests and their interviews and learn just a tad more about them. Before our guests answer them, we want to introduce our new questions by answering them ourselves, which is kind of a fun little Mm. foray, if you will. Mm -hmm. I will ask the questions and then we can both give our answers. Does it sound like a deal? Yes. Okay. Let's, Let's do it. It's only fair. You know, there's someone here that I don't know about you. So I'm actually, I'm excited to get to know you better after... 
many episodes and seasons. (laughs) All right. Up first, what was the most unique style or fashion trend you ever embraced? So this one's going to feel like I'm making it up. Mm. Um, But... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So... As an undergraduate student, I was legitimately very invested in the show Rebelde, which we have talked about on this podcast. Uh And I decided that I would have what was at the time the iconic hair color. So Dulce Maria, which we've talked about. Uh I didn't do the stripe. The next iteration of her hair, which was very popular, was the like, of course, now very trending cherry Coke red. Oh. So I got my hair <laughs> bleached out and colored. Oh. And at the time, I had a lot of curls and it definitely gave Ronald McDonald. Whoa. And I, it was not great. It wasn't cola. It was more cherry. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was more like a clown wig. Um, and then to top it off, I decided to study abroad with this hair oh went to ecuador Mm. which is as you understand near the equator sun Uh. (laughs) and that color went real real fast um and it was just like bright orange okay for like the majority of my study abroad experience um so looking back were they like who's this american like what blaze orange just like a big it was just, yeah, not not great. I might find some pictures of that, but that was pretty unfortunate. I would love that. Um, yeah, I don't love that. I can't see it just because I've only known you in like, you, no. I've known you throughout many <laughs> generations and iterations of your hair journey. Yes, but not bright orange. and But not that one. And that's not one that I can really yeah. at this moment focus on no. or really. Nor should you. Yeah, I, don't, I think it's fine that it's in the past. What about you? What have you embraced that you now regret? Oh, you know, I think that... Fashion or hair? I'll do hair too. So, you know, daughter of a hairdresser. I had all of the styles. But I grew up firmly in the era of when you would take the smallest curling iron you could find. You would wrap your hair in it, spray hairspray on it, Mm -hmm. on the curling iron, release it, and just have crunchy... Crunch. Crunch. And it was awesome and looking back you know everybody had it but looking back i think that was my entry into like hair damage well certainly but Mm. it was a vibe and so that's one the other one i also think of from a fashion perspective is like and i don't know if this is going to come back or maybe i'm so uncool that it's already been back and it's gone again sure but you know remember when you tuck rolled your jeans or like put the pin in the jeans in the bottom i don't even know what you're talking about are you serious Keep going. You've got to be kidding. This is the generational divide, which is not a very big <laughs> divide. So what? Oh, my gosh. Okay. What were you, you were pinning your jeans? Yes. Yeah. Explain this one. Okay. So that was basically, and I'm I'm doing a demo on myself. Yeah. Just remember how to do it. So you take the bottom of your pant leg, you fold it over, and then you simply roll it up. So it creates like a slimming effect at the bottom, but you have a couple rolls there. Okay. And it's pretty tragic. So I guess all the listeners will have to say, have to let me know if it's been back and gone. And it's just like Mm. only the few cool pop culture selects are partaking. Mm. I can't, I cannot believe you don't know what that is. 
No, no, pray not, pray not. Um, but our listeners, I'm sure, will let us know. They'll keep us honest. Indeed, they will. <laughs> All right. You know, worst haircut ever. What was your worst haircut ever, and when did you have it? This connects. Okay. Oh. <laughs> um, well, so I mean, like, I grew up not really knowing that I had curly hair for the longest time. So, like that. But it how because it was identifiably curly, correct? Yeah, uh, very much so. <laughs> I always grew up like my my parents referred to it as like wavy. Oh no. Okay. But it was because it was never long enough to actually like get a full ringlet. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Anywho, um, so I'm sure tragic. Lots of haircuts growing up, but I remember specifically. So had. The aforementioned reddish orange hair uh-huh. got it filled, recolored, um, grew <laughs> it out for a while, and that was like so. I had long hair. I had like like shoulder length. Oh wow! Early wow! You know, just a whole dome. Yeah, <laughs> it was a look. Um, it was college, and it was like you know. When I, anyway, I don't love this for myself. And then I decided one day that I didn't want it anymore, so I cut it all off, like literally a buzz cut. I went to a barber shop and got a buzz cut. Oh, and that haircut was the worst. Mm. And it was because I was dressing for someone who had a lot of hair. Oh, <laughs> and then suddenly, when you don't have, you know what I mean? It was just like a. So those pictures are especially upsetting. I think that's a, a haircut I regret. Dressing for the particular hair, you, but you do. You know what I mean. I mean that's fair. You do. Like you, you take on. Yeah, like a whole persona. Yeah, and uh, um, without the hair, absent <laughs> the hair, it didn't really work, and I wasn't prepared. Did you cry? No, but I. You knew because I was excited, I, like riding high on the adrenaline of like I, 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 I could. I don't need this because it was like that was my thing. Oh. And I had all of this hair, and anyway, anyway. We're really getting into. We're really getting into. I mean, this is not a quick take. This is a long take. Thank you. Sorry, sorry for everybody. This is a long take. Um, my worst haircut ever was, you know, at the time I think it was appropriate. Is I had the full on like Meg Ryan pixie cut, which is hard to believe. Yeah, hard to believe. And actually, my my, you know, like the sorority pictures, my sorority pictures, my freshman year of college, they have. The pixie with the little whoop at the bottom. And I shall find for you Wow, that photo. Wow. And it's all going to come back because that style made an appearance at the Emmys, which we're going to get into. But it did. It did. Not to fast forward. Okay. This is something I never pay attention to. But what was your phone screen time from the past week? So we've got two different phones here. First one, (laughs) personal phone, which I also use for work. Three hours and 44 minutes a day. Okay. Wow. And it's up a big way from the week prior. Work phone, hour and 45 minutes down from last week. So somewhere. Oh, so you're not working as hard this week, basically. Apparently. Apparently. That's what it's telling me. Okay. Got it. What about what about you? What are <laughs> okay. you what are you we what are we averaging? I'm at a daily average of three hours and thirty-five minutes. That's pretty close. And I'm at a 14 hour and 20 minute total screen time for the week. Does it say the total screen time? It's a lot. Oh my God. There's more. There's more. Yeah. But here's what I'm proud of. It goes Instagram, then mail, because I'm working, then messages, because I'm communicating with friends, then the actual phone, because yes, people, you can actually pick up a phone and call. Um, And then down, the next one is my kids' uh, apps where I'm managing their sports schedule. Wow. Mm -hmm. So there you go. 
We're actually like pretty synced up. Yeah. Mine is also like 15 hours as it turns out. And hey, there we go. Yeah. Anywho. Anywho. All right. Wow. 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 All right. Anywho. Yikes. <laughs> All right. Next up, Jeff, imagine you can teleport anywhere. Where would you go right now? Right at the second. I mean, the easy answer is always Mexico City. Would love to be there. Okay. Yes. It's not super cold here, so I don't need to escape like you do. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm always down for a little trip. What about you? You know, I'm a not a beach sort of gal. So this is going to sound crazy, but maybe I would like to take my family to like a very posh ski resort. Oh, so not escaping the snow. Uh, I want to take everyone. I don't want to go by myself. I want to go with everyone. And they could ski all day and then I could just sit at the chalet. I love that. I love that. Sounds heavenly. (laughs) Truly. I want that for you. Um, Well, I'm hoping that you guys like these quick takes Mm. and that people are quicker than both you and I, because we were not, especially I especially was not quick. No, these got us. But yeah, if you are into them, let us know. If you're not and you want something else, give us an email. Why don't you? Um, Or DM us at volume up at the T's on Instagram uh, and let us know if we should swap out these for something else or if we should go back to the other ones. I hope that's not the case. Same. Anyway. As season three comes and goes, we are going to be making some changes. Be on the lookout for new cover art, video art, and of course, brand new guests. Another new segment for season three will be Lend a Brush. We want to make sure that you get all of your burning questions answered. So send us questions to celebrity stylists, brand educators, ambassadors, C-suite members, and we will work to get those answered by someone that we trust who can lend a brush. Send in your questions via email to volumeupatthetees.com, and we're going to make this a thing. I like that. How cute. So please send us some questions. Kind of like phone a friend, but lend a brush. Exactly. Yeah, we'll we'll talk to some friends. I'm here to lend a brush. Obviously. Uh, this week, we're talking with a reoccurring guest on Volume Up, Kia Neal. Kia is a former stylist of 30 years turned color educator, speaker, and DEI consultant who's breaking the textural and racial boundaries, segregating the pro hair industry. She's the founder of Color Culture and Texture Versus Race, both focused on teaching stylists to identify and work with hair of all textures through hands-on education paired with DEI coaching. Kia strives to provide Black stylists with equitable education while championing diversity and inclusion behind the chair and behind the scenes of the salon industry. Make sure that you subscribe, rate and review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tees and send in questions to volumeupatthetees.com. Now let's talk beauty news. Our editorial team is deep diving to get you the inside scoop from the newest celebrity looks to the biggest events and products happening week to week. Let's talk hair, beauty, and culture. Um, Obviously, it's award season. We cannot escape it. Um, We're lucky that there's not an award show this weekend. So we're going to talk about the Emmys because they took forever to happen. Yes. And there were some looks, which we sort of talked about. Um, There was a return of a style that you mentioned as one of your regrettable haircuts. Um, <laughs> but let's get into it. So the article is called The Best Hairstyles from the Delayed 2023 Emmy Awards. After facing a temporary postponement due to the WGA and SAG after a strike, the 75th Primetime Emmy Awards, which typically take place in September, finally was back in action on January 15th. The star-studded evening delivered some well-deserved and historic wins, looking at you, Quinta Brunson, Ayo Adebri and Ali Wong, as well as some memorable acceptance speeches from the likes of Nisi Nash. That one is incredible. Also Jennifer Coolidge. Of course, for us, the true standout of the night was none other than all of the gorgeous hair that was spotted on the red carpet, from sky-high ponytails to old Hollywood waves, and so many pretty updos, there were a ton of incredible hair looks that caught our attention at this year's show. 
head to thetees.com to look at some of our favorite hairstyles from the 2023 Emmys. You know the question, Kelly. So which was your favorite style? You know, I think this is an interesting thing because, you know, it's the style, but it's all about the look, right? The complete look. Mm -hmm. And I think the one who was absolutely breathtaking was Jessica Chastain. Oh, okay. I just... It was perfectly smooth. Give me the hair. The most beautiful complementary color. Mm -hmm. And then with that neon green dress, like to think about the shade of strawberry-ish blonde that you need to complement that color of lime green dress, I think is true art and true talent. Mm. So that's the one that honestly took my breath away. I'm looking at that style differently now. I've got a newfound appreciation for it. You're right. (laughs) It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Now that is but one of the multitudes of articles we have covering award season, and now that it's back in full swing, we have our favorite roundups, we have celebrity stylist how-tos, and we have all of the products that were used. Make sure that you head over to tees.com to find out how to recreate some of your fave red carpet styles. Next up is four Wella Hair Pros sharing what they really think about hair shows, artificial intelligence, and the future of hairdressing. Back in October, our team had the pleasure of attending Wella Company's 2023 Beauty and Vision Awards the heart of hair in Las Vegas. For those of you who are already familiar with BEA, you know that it's the ultimate competition for hair and beauty pros looking to elevate their skills and showcase their creativity. Before the excitement began, our features editor got an opportunity that few in our industry often get, a chance to pick the brains of four of Wella's hair maestros and have them answer all of our burning questions about all things hair, as well as the hairdressing industry at large. Wella's senior director of brand education, the lovely Carol Protat, Brand ambassadors Zach Mesquite and Derek Clark and global creative artist Sonia Dove dropped so many gems throughout the conversations with them that we just had to share some of our editor's biggest takeaways with all of you. Make sure you head to thetease.com to catch this full article. All right, Jeff. I mean, those are some interesting topics and they range, right? So you've got hair shows, AI, the future of hairdressing. What really stood out to you in this article? So I zeroed in immediately on AI. Yeah. As soon as I knew that that was in this article, I was like, oh, what do we think? Um, And I was surprised. I mean, some varying opinion in terms of it being good, bad, um, I think representative of how many stylists and others in the salon professional industry feel. Mm -hmm. But I thought it was really interesting that they were so open to sharing some thoughts we've been thinking that people haven't expressed, but they do. So Carol Protat, for example talked a lot about the good things that could happen with AI. So she says it could be used for product information. If you have a product and you want to learn more about its ingredients and how to use it, you should be able to use AI to do that. But the craft is what came up over and over. Yeah. So she talks about how AI can never duplicate, can never replicate. And that is certainly echoed by a number of other Willa pros. I just thought, again, their willingness to share some of these things was was pretty cool. Um, And shout out to the team for making this happen. I agree. Thank you so much to our wonderful editors for this week's beauty news. And don't forget to check out more stories like these on thetease.com. Next up, our conversation with Kia Neal. We welcome back a recurring guest to help us kick off the season three premiere of the Volume Up podcast. Big deal. Uh, she is a former stylist of 28 years turned color educator and equity justice and liberation consultant. Welcome back, Kia Neal. Hello, hello. What's going on, Jeffrey? Oh, I'm so excited. This is going to be so good. Now, look, we're going to do a little bit of an intro. 
And then we're going to get into it because there is so much to cover. Um, but for those who have not listened to the other times that he has been on the podcast, I don't know what you're doing. We're going to break it down. You got to go back to those episodes. We've had you here twice before, which puts you up there with the likes of Monet Everett for most times on the podcast, which is a big deal. We love that. Um, if people want to learn more about you and the work that you're doing, um, they should go to listen to episode 195, Changing the Industry, Texture versus Race, and 204, Texture versus Race, after the show. Do us a solid, though, before we get into today's combo. Um, the people that are too lazy, those listeners that are not going to look up those episodes, top line your background for us, if you could, because it's it's a big one. All right. So first of all, we're not going to we're not going to take laziness into 2024. <laughs> so we are going to. So 195 and 204. Okay, let's just do that. Look them up. Yeah, because to get the whole expression of it, you really need to go hear me and to get the what I, you know, air quotes, black ground of it all. That will kind of help serve yes. as a landing place for some of the things that you're going to hear today. So, yes, do that and and then come back and listen to this one. Okay. So, you know, but my name is Kia Neal. I am a stylist, educator. I am an industry activist. I am known to be an industry agitator. I am all things diversity, equity, and inclusion, but by way of equity, justice, and liberation is where I'm standing at now. Mm. Um, everything that I do is to provide opportunity for us to analyze and walk out the resources for people to become more like-minded and seeing the industry at an elevated space and just raising the standards of the industry as a whole so that everyone, no matter what hue is you, can thrive in the industry. Now, I hope that was recorded because that was off the cuff. I'm using that for something else. <laughs> that was beautiful. Yes. Yep. Oh, all right. Well, it couldn't have been better. Again, we want you to go listen to those episodes, yes. but you didn't. That is, I think, Kia to a T. Uh, look, Kia, you are very active online. Um, you talked about yourself as being an agitator. I think the best kind. Um, and one of those things that have got people riled up is a little series that you've been doing uh, with Salon Centric called Kia's Corner. Now, this is not a new thing. You've been doing it for a minute. Um, and if you could, before we get into the video in question, um, what is Kia's Corner? So, you know, with my partnership with Salon Centric, we have walked this out in a, in a couple of ways, right? So we show up in a couple of capacities. One, I am um, consulting with them. I work with them. Um, I have on occasion with their executive, the C-suites. Um, I We do things to bring education to the hair shows. Sometimes we collab. Um, there in the classrooms, bringing texture education, color education as well. I'm also a part of their It Takes a Protein. Mm -hmm. So I get to do a lot with Salon Centric and they've actually partnered with me with the collaborative as well, offering opportunities for them to show up on the stages and, and things of that nature at the uh, hair shows. But most importantly, one of the things that we've done was create a, a pocket or a space of called Kia's Corner. And it started off as a panel mm -hmm. at a hair show, right? <laughs> yep. And then it was so good that it became, we, we, we put it out on social media last year. Mm -hmm. And so what that consists of is one live every month to discuss whatever the subject matter is that we're discussing. And then there's three small micro videos that are 90 seconds or less that kind of zing in the points yep. from what the live was about. Yep. Right. So I've been doing that um, most of the most of the year. But I think I, I had an accident around the half of the year. So a, a lot of the little small ones had had become paused 
for me, but you could still see me on the live versions of it, the whole 40, 45, 45 minutes mm -hmm. um, version of it. But the smaller ones were like every week we were pushing out this content, little small areas to educate people on how to be more diverse minded. Mm -hmm. and, and the audience of intention were people who were either already diverse, looking to be diverse, or hadn't thought of being diverse, but now we're planting the seeds mm -hmm. on how to be diverse. So it's been an amazing run so far, Jeffrey, um, up until like maybe the end of the year. So uh, yeah, so I mean, I think that you set that up beautifully. Uh, there was a recent episode in which you delved into what you referred to and which is generally understood as a real thing that I just want to make sure that people listening to this podcast understand. You referred to the white gaze. Um, and in this episode, you got a huge response. Um, there are more than a thousand comments on that post. Um, and we want to talk about it because some of it, I think, was really eye-opening to people that, as you said, were sort of curious about diversity, wanting to elevate the industry, genuinely trying to do better for themselves and were curious. And there were others who bristled entirely at every aspect of it and went in on you specifically in ways that are disgusting. Um, so I don't know where you want to start about it, um, but I'd love I, 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 when you when you sat down and you were thinking about this. What did you want to communicate about the white gaze for people that didn't know? Because I think that's getting lost in this. A lot of it is absolutely, you know, it's gone sideways. Um, but as I said, this is a well understood phenomenon that is studied um, across industries. It's not unique to the salon professional industry. Um, but if you could, the white gaze, what is it? So, okay. So here's the thing, Jeffrey. So when we were doing Kia's Corner and I would put out, conf you know, uh, all of this content, we were doing things like understanding what texture versus race stood for. Mm -hmm. Hair was a fabric, not a race. Really walking that. Hair's hair? How to understand. Um, but this particular series, it was like three or four. Like I actually didn't post the last part of the series. It's like four out of the, out of the 10, right? Mm -hmm. We were speaking about salon etiquette and more specifically we were speaking about some of the little nuances and the things that happen the little idiosyncrasies or the little pockets of offense. microaggressions yeah microaggressions all of that that happen in these spaces that are diversifying want to be diverse or looking to be diverse yep. you know some of these things go unnoticed undetected and unexplored because it hides under the guise of intention. Mm. And so a lot of times people don't know what a microaggression is because they say, I didn't mean anything by that, or I didn't mm -hmm. intentionally, you know, say that to harm this person or to offend this person. So we had to kind of walk out what all of these little little pockets of microaggressions and little salon etiquette spaces that we could kind of clean up. Mm -hmm. And so the one about the white gaze was about how people stare at black people when they're in the salons. Now, Jeffrey, I just want to take a pause and say none of any not one thing that I talk about have I not experienced for myself. Mm. I base all of my content and my learning topics off of my own singular, not singular, right? Yeah. Unfortunately shared, right? Mm -hmm. But my independent experience is where I launch all of this content. And what I found in the salons is that people use 
their curiosity, right, for seeing people that they're not used to seeing in their spaces, hair getting done that they're not used to seeing getting done, styles being done, whatever it is that has captured. But what, and they're not looking all the time in a uh, judgmental or disparaging way, but nevertheless, it makes it uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I've always felt uncomfortable. My clients have always felt uncomfortable. And we're either forced to sort of, to, to submit to it, and to you know <laughs> laugh it off or just deal with it mm -hmm. and so i wanted people to know going forward that if you're a stylist and you want to observe and maybe you think this is a time to learn understand that this person is there to to gain a service just like every client in there exactly and maybe they don't want you observing yeah. at that moment yep so the, the video was just saying, let's talk about the white gaze. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the incessant staring, you know, not being mindful. This person is being uncomfortable. You know, if you want to learn, ask the stylist if it's OK for you to come close and observe. She may or may not say yes. She may say not this night at this time. But hey, I can show you whatever have you. And if it's your client, maybe try to just disrupt a little bit sort of break the gaze maybe disrupt it a little bit some beautiful redirects that you had suggested i gave some wonderful pointers yeah i thought i was doing the thing i thought yes. i was bringing people up <laughs> on game right i yeah. thought i was giving them game like in the spirit of all of the other kiosk corners all of them i mean you're exactly right i mean so, so I assume then you were not expecting the reaction. Okay, not only was I not expecting that, but let me share this. I have said some pretty cheeky, poignant stuff. <laughs> I mean, some in your face, almost my finger in your forehead, like just some huge, I've shared some serious redirects. Yeah. And, and let me just go ahead and say this. These videos were done months ago. They had run through Salon Centric months ago. They were in a holding pattern mm -hmm. waiting to be dropped. Yeah, as is the reality of a lot of content creation. I mean, there's lots of people who's got eyeballs on it beforehand. Exactly. So we were not expecting that. Mm -hmm. That was not the one that I thought people were going to die on the hill on. Like, I thought it would have been like, touching people's hair because people seem to be adamant about having the um what's the word i want to use no one no one likes this word entitlement <laughs> to be able to touch people and explore their curiosity and go oh my god i love your hair can i touch it like i thought they might die on the hill of microaggressions because they didn't understand when i said telling me that i'm very well spoken and that you know that that wasn't necessarily that wasn't necessarily a compliment. And I understand why you're saying it. I do. I am a lover of words. I understand. But sometimes the way that it's presented is in such a, a surprised way. It almost lands like I'm surprised that you, because you're black, that you speak well. And that's the part that I want people to get. Mm -hmm. So I thought maybe it was microaggressions, touching people. I had no idea. I was shocked. I mean, like I was shook. I was here with my assistant, Eugene, in the city because we don't live in the same place. And we were doing some work and we were like, OK, um, let's you know, let we got to log this in. I was like, let's cut it down. So we took some things out at the last minute just to make sure it hit the uh, timer mark. Mm -hmm. And so what was ironic about that is that at two o'clock, I remember sitting down saying, 
I'm hearing the words, but I want to make sure my voice is being heard, which is which is quite ironic at 2 p.m. And he says, what do you mean? I said, I I hear myself speaking, but I don't want to ever lose my voice. I don't want to lose. I don't want to use. I don't think I use the word edge, but just for the sake of trying to be verbatim, I'm going to say edge, because I think there's a way that I deliver things that people can hear my heart as well as my words. And I don't want to become so mechanical at my delivery, trying to lock it all in in 90 seconds. And it's hard Mm -hmm. to put something so big and so obviously combustible at this point into 90 seconds. But we did a very good job of doing it. But I said, I just want to make sure that I'm always heard and heard for what I mean, exactly what I mean. And I don't want to lose my potency Mm. ever. And at six o'clock, we posted it and went on about our day like it was nothing. And the next thing you know, it's like ping, ping. And I'm like, oh, it's doing good. Oh, blah, blah. And I'm like, you're this, you're that, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. Wait. Okay. Got a negative comment. I expect a negative or two. And then it just, it just blew. And then I saw someone that posted and I was like, who is this person? And they had like 2 million followers. I was like, how did you make your way back over here? Like mm-hmm. little old me, like, what are you doing here? And I think a mob just swarmed on the video and metastasized the negative. Mm. And it sort of drowned out the positive and the people that were there to support. But to answer your question, I was fully blown away because I thought, I've said some other things. You can, I've said some other things, right? Like this ain't the hill you want to die on right here. Yeah. And I was actually just taken aback for a minute and I thought, okay, well maybe let me respond. And so I responded to a few and then I responded all, all night. I went back and forth with a few people. And then I noticed that I lost my win for it when I saw a girl that we looked like we started off good, like we had a really good understanding. And then her third comment was, well, I'm offended. Mm. And I was like, I think she used the word insulted. And I was like, mm. insulted? I was like, okay, so this is a mute point. There's no talking to you. Yeah. And and at that point, it was out of control. By the next morning, it, was, it had gone straight to hell. And then some, uh, I mean, truly like the, the comments went left. Um, I, I think like, again, being a consumer of your content, I've seen Kia's corner I've engaged with, I've learned from, um, this one struck differently, as you've said, um, you've said other things that maybe would have had the potential to, to incite this kind of reaction. This one didn't seem like it would be, but it did. Um, and people went nasty. So Look, I don't want to like re-traumatize um, because I know that it was tough, but I do want to talk about like from your perspective, because you are an expert in this area. You have coached people through, you know, issues of having bias, having behaviors which contribute to, you know, racism and white supremacy. Um, you're trying to upend a lot of these practices within our industry. If you could, looking at this more sort of like academically, um, as you've done now. What are some themes that you were seeing? Like, what are some of the comments where you're like, damn, that is something for me to work on here or like needs to inspire something in the future? Well, let me tell you, I I looked at that for a minute. I let a day or so go by and I I watched 
as the people that came on, tried to defend and tried to speak reason. Yeah. And I saw a theme of the responses. And a lot of it comes from, quite ironically, is the supremacy part. There was a theme of deflection. Mm -hmm. There was a theme of entitlement. Mm -hmm. There was a theme of centering. Centering probably was the biggest psychosis that played out in the comment section, the centering of it all. Mm. That and also just people saying, okay, because what people didn't understand, they were like, well, white gaze doesn't mean that. Like for the smart Alex that was like, yeah. well, white gaze didn't mean that. I was like, you're right. And thank you so much for even walking that out even more mm -hmm. because all you did was prove the point of what white gaze really is, which is having to all constantly think who the end user is and how they are going to feel about X, Y, Z. Mm -hmm. And feeling like I somehow stepped on their toes by using the word white. And, and the thing about that is the word white was the trigger. Yep. It was never about what I said. It wasn't even about how I said it. It was that I said the word white. So two things happened. One, I removed deniability when I said I'm speaking directly to this demographic of people. They couldn't walk by or scroll by a post and go, she's not talking to me and don't even consider mm -hmm. because that's what happens on the rest of the posts. Only the few that are in tune, that are looking to learn, that want to learn, that, you know, care to even learn, stop and say, thank you. I hear you. I, I understand. Mm -hmm. But the, the masses do not sit on those posts. The word white was like a magnet for people's defensiveness. Mm -hmm. And they came on distinctly to tell me I had no right calling them to the carpet. That in itself was racist and divisive. Absolutely. Is the fact that I said white people. And someone said to me, when I said white people, it reminded them of when white people would say you people. I said, yes, but the difference is, is I know what I mean when I say white and you know what you mean when you say you people. But also, I mean, just in that in that comment, reminding them of when white people were saying you bringing, I mean, talking about censoring, censoring it to white supremacy. You, you're going back. You're going backwards to say you shouldn't say white because that's not that's not being um, open to everybody. I said, but I'm not mm -hmm. talking to everybody. Right. I'm talking to you about the white case. So, yes, this is why are you specifically talking? Why did you specifically say white people? I said, because I'm specifically talking to white people. So it only makes sense for me, mm -hmm. given our history, given the way that this happens with this particular demographic of people, of people in the salons that are looking to now diversify and bring in people who don't look like them into these spaces. But the centering part was, I'm offended. I feel like you have, um, uh, what was the other words? They said they were offended. Um, they felt attacked. Mm -hmm. I said, you feel attacked because I said white. That in itself is so centering because it's like, I feel the way I feel about what you said. So it disregards everything that 
you said your experience so it doesn't matter if i'm stepping on your toes and i'm hurting your feet right mm -hmm. it, the 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 response was how dare you make me feel bad about stepping on your foot yep that's what centering is centering is like foregoing everyone else's feelings about whatever it is that they're talking about to posture yours as priority and so i saw that 90 percent of the time the other percentages came across with, well, I'll do it if I want to get over it. You know, everybody stares, get over it. You're not all that. Go work in a go work in a suite. Um, nobody's listening to you. Um, we're artists. We should be able to look. No, actually, you shouldn't. Yeah, because you wouldn't want me standing over you if your client is trying to enjoy her service and i'm going so tell me about this and then mother can i touch it can i feel it? Yep. you and your client would be like yo back up give me some room mm -hmm. unless you were we had already decided that we were going to use this as a learning opportunity right because now maybe you invited me to come watch you do these balls and you you invited me into y'all space and everyone is um okay with that and i think the two words that we're missing in this conversation is um, consent and permission. Absolutely. You know, you have to get permission and I have to give consent, right? You know, <laughs> you have to, well, but when we don't have those two things working together, there's always gonna be a misalignment. Mm -hmm. You can't want something be just because you wanna do it and I have to deal with it because says who? Right. Because you think your thoughts and feelings are superior to mine and that mm -hmm. is the bottom line. The entitlement of it is what is keeping us in this flow. Now, one of the other things I noticed, um, was I was getting coined with a lot of terms that kind of fed into the angry black woman stereotype. Yep. You know, you ask me a direct question, I give you a direct answer. Now I'm rude, I'm disrespectful, I'm um, unprofessional, uh, I'm a mean girl. Yep. And I said, how is it that I mean? I have not called you out of your name. I have not used one profane word. Yep. I have not said girl, bye, I have not, um, giving you any dismissive rhetoric, I have answered your question poignantly. <laughs> but because you didn't like my answer, then it's, oh, well, you're, you're mean and you're rude. <laughs> and it's like, it's so, that is the stereotype that we cannot, when people try to tell me that racism doesn't exist and that that whole white woman tears thing doesn't exist, they're lying because White women tears are the most powerful currency in America. It has the ability to change, destroy, and I mean, lives, yeah. systems, okay? Enough people crying, enough white women crying can change and move mountains. That's why we need white women specifically to be on the right side of history because nothing moves without them. And we need to know that. And they need to know, they. and here's the thing, they know the power that they have, but usually the ones that use it in the most negative way know it. Yeah, I mean, and I think to what you just said, our industry is made up of a lot of white women. Absolutely. Um, and I think like, as you've discovered in all of the work that you've been doing, so much of this can shift for the good, for the better, 
if people are willing to make these changes to address some of these issues, to acknowledge some of these patterns of behavior, microaggressions, things that they ought not to do in order to make people feel included, belonging, et cetera. Like, it's just, I mean, this post really, I think, typifies the importance of the work that you do. It's like a small, small example of how big this can go and how much of an impact people like yourself have ultimately, because they wouldn't be so interested in quieting you if there weren't something there. Um, I just want to say it. I mean, from your perspective, do you think that any of this would have happened to you if you were a white woman? Do you think that it has to do with you being a black woman? Oh, absolutely. I've seen. OK, so the woman that coined the word white fragility, that woman selling books by the millions. OK, no one's saying anything to her. Mm-hmm. The word white gaze was coined by a white person, white fragility, yep. white privilege. We didn't make that up. We just know that it's true, but we didn't make it up. But to your comment, because of your experience, your lived experience that is shared by so many people that were in that comment thread. And that's the thing. Jumping in to be like, no, 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 no. I experienced that. This happened to, like, I felt like that was so, again, heartbreaking, but heartening. Because obviously you're not alone. You couldn't be alone. But like here were these people trying to deny over and over, well, that doesn't happen. If it did, well. Well, whatever. Yep. But here's the the thing about that. Not only were people in there saying, no, no, this happens to me. Some of our most beloved influencers mm-hmm. and educators mm-hmm. were in there saying, oh, no, this is this is golden. I just didn't feel the release or had the space to say so mm-hmm. and say something. But do you know that microaggressions that were unleashed on those people also? It was insane. The way my back office was blowing up, I was like, you have got to be kidding me. People were screenshotting things because to be honest with you, I probably didn't read, but like maybe a a third or fourth of the comments, like after a while. Yeah, I mean, you got to protect your peace at a certain point. Yeah, after a while, I was like, yeah, this is too much. And I don't want to, I don't want people to take me to a place where I don't think I can come back from. Mm. Because at the end of the day, you know, my husband said this to me and I fight him on this because it's a double-edged sword, right? But my husband always always says, you know, and we agree, I don't just want to be right. I want to be heard, Mm. right? Yes, but what you're hearing has to be right. Mm. And you gotta be all right with that too, Mm. right? And so, but I didn't want to unleash the part of me that wants to be, that, that, that could be a little bit more destructive by meeting people where they are. Let me say that. Mm. I'll say it that way. Because I had a mean something in my back pocket for me. Yeah, but I mean, as, as any human. But, but as a human. I, exactly. Your full humanity. I wanted to defend myself yep. and say, who do you think you're talking to? Which you're unafforded, which is so twisted. I'm unafforded the opportunity to defend myself the way I want to yep. and not and come out unscathed because the minute I had said and called them names like they called me, yep. the minute I had, you know, gave the same rhetoric. I mean, someone absolutely told me she was from Baltimore, like she could meet me anywhere in the street with it. And I was like, 
Yeah. You sound like a thug. But if I had said, sure, meet me. Yeah, pull up. I got something for you. And I said, pull up, sis. I got you. Like, it's all good. Now it would have been, you see that? She said, she's violent. She wants to, she, <laughs> but no one said anything about her saying what she said to me. And that's the part that's still so disheartening for me. But, you know, and, and, and moving forward, I just want people to understand that I'm not going to stop speaking the truth. Mm. I will always posture it in a space and in a way that can be heard. But how you feel about it is going to have to be on you because I can't. There's no amount of whipped cream I could have put on that. I could have topped it with cherries and nuts. Yep. I could have put hot fudge. I could have wrapped it up in a in a in wrapping paper with the prettiest bow on it with diamond sprinkles and no one's they still would have responded that way because they didn't like what I had to say. And I am okay with that. What I'm not okay with is how they handled it in the comments. However, what I am proposing is that everybody go back in that comment section and learn and see how the psychosis of, of racism and stereotypes and white supremacy, white centering, white gaze, white privilege, white fragility. The fragility was astounding. It is a masterclass for the masses. And if you want to learn anything about where we are in this industry, go to that post. And then you talk to me about where we are in the industry as a country, as a human, as a as our humanity is up for question. It has been for quite some time, but it but it was I think people need the proof because they like to say, oh, it's not that bad. Oh, we're moving. We're the, the needle is moving. We're evolving. Mm, yeah, but we still got a long way to go, honey. We turn the corner it's a long block. I want to make sure people understand that this post was liberating for more than just black people in a chair, um, black people in salons. Mm. This post crossed intersections of marginalized people. And I want you to understand that people who are in the LGBTQ community reached out. Yep. People who are disabled, you know, had reached out and said, I have a disability and I'm, this is constant for me. Thank you for speaking up. Mm -hmm. Trans, um, sizeism. Hell yeah. I just want you to know it's bigger than this conversation. Mm. So when you go back to look at it, I want you to look at look at the comments and give life to the people who have taken time to bear their souls in the comment section because they are there. And it looks like the, the foolishness is loud, but it but really the cream is rising to the top. Don't overlook that. I believe the industry is moving. And the only way to plant good seeds is to ruffle and to churn the fertilizer. And I believe that's what's happening now in this year. Mm. We're seeing that cultivation of the land and what's been sitting dormant underneath is coming up to the top. But it, it makes it clear to see where we're actually planting our seeds. We have to know who's who and what's what so that we can get to the people and get to the places and get to the opportunities of connection that we need to. And if that means I got to jump in the ocean with a bunch of sharks and sea creatures to get to the to the ones that really have the most value, the ones that want to come along, then so be it.
this conversation made me think of, you know, things that are happening out there in the world, in addition to obviously what you experienced. Niecy Nash, obviously, making a lot of waves for her big Emmy win, in which she specifically called out that the award that she was winning um, was for Black and Brown women who are unheard and over-policed. This reminded me of that very example of, you've talked about not being heard, not having your voice being heard. Certainly you were over-policed by, you couldn't have done anything as you just described. Um, We are seeing a trend in larger popular culture of Black women in particular being called to the table. Um, Claudine Gay at Harvard, for example. Mm -hmm unfairly targeted by a number of people to get her out of her position of power for plagiarism. Although they themselves, a lot of the people organizing it were then discovered to be associated with plagiarizing them. That's right. So it's the hypocrisy is on display really at all levels. Absolutely. Um, But you're living through this thing as you're doing this important work within our space. So I want to ask you as an expert, as someone who's been doing this, you know, taking up the the mantle of of making change. How do you feel about the industry? How do you feel? Do are we changing? Are we going backwards? Is it both of the same things at the same time? Like, what from your perspective? Um, I'd love to to understand where you're where you're at with this. I love this question. Let me tell you something. Twenty four hit like I mean like glass hit the the ground. You know, we had Taraji P. Henson come out on one of the biggest productions of The Color Purple Mm -hmm. and share that even though it was produced by Oprah Winfrey, who is another black woman, that even so the people that, you know, I guess the production company, I don't know who else, the people that actually do it with Paramount or whoever, still there was a pay gap. And she almost walked away from that. You know, she had to bring that to light and, you know, risk risk at all yeah because people don't want to hear about what's going on in hollywood for real mm-hmm. okay we talked about um and i know this is a little bit more uh, but cat williams you know we we hit a three-hour interview on shannon shannon sharp's podcast mm-hmm. where he pretty much lit and let out what all happens in hollywood and how they do um how they make these mandates on black men black actors and such and such like this I feel like this year I, I started off saying it was a year of exposure, mm. but I feel like it's also a year of reckoning again. Mm. And I also feel like this is the year where we realize that the middle of the road, the maybes, the sometimes, the if, the parts, the portions and parts of the time that we want to be aligned with diversity and inclusion is no more. You have to choose you're going on one side of the road or the other. The people walking around in a bubble that's like, I'm just not going to choose. There's no more of that. Like you're, I think people are being more clear about how they feel about diversity and equity and, uh, you know, those efforts. More companies are coming out saying that they don't want that anymore. They're dismantling that. Yep, they sure are. They're also coming out there attacking the hedge fund um uh, from from black women that are trying to help black people they they're taking them they're suing them and trying to get it to that they cannot help black people exclusively like there are life-changing things happening but it's all because the people the powers that be are no longer willing to hide how they really feel 
They don't want to. They're saying we don't care about being diverse. We don't care about your inclusive, your inclusion yeah. efforts. We don't want to. We don't want it. And we're going to dismantle it piece by piece. And you know what? That's why it's so important for everybody to speak up and to pick. You're going to have to pick a side. You're either with it or you're not. And Lululemon came right out and said, like, we don't want they're not with it. People to buy our stuff. Like, I'm not mad at that, though. Because guess what? When did you know? I don't ever have to buy Lululemon a day in my life. Yeah. I can keep my money. Give it to somebody else. Yeah. Like, I, I actually am okay with knowing. And, and, you know, one of the things I said about those comments section was, go look at all your favorite friends mm. and the people that you're following and see how they reacted. Because if they're not aligned, you got to make a choice. You can't play in the middle of the road anymore. There's no middle of the road. This is exposure and reckoning. You, we are going to have to be about it. We're in the renaissance right now. Mm. We are in the change. We are in the middle of the book where change happens. We're here. It is upon us. So we don't have time now for the, well, I don't know, and maybe, and I'm going to try. No, you either in or you out. It's up, down, left, right, black, white, yes or no. There's, there's no in between right now. And that's why the brands, you either going to stay in this or you need to get out altogether. And it's no harm, no foul. Get out. Don't be performative. Don't put up no MLK posts. Don't do any of that. If you're not living this life for real, yeah. in real life, go ahead and put the mic down. Honey, we're not, we, it's okay. So yeah, this year, I think when people think that, you know, <laughs> It's going to be, it's, they thought 23 dragged us by our edges, but honey, 24 getting ready to blow the wigs back. I'm telling you, <laughs> it's blowing the wigs back. It already has, and it's early January. Early January. Uh, yeah, we really have got it, uh, you know. Uh, well, look, so it's not all doom and gloom, though, um, and change isn't linear. Uh, so there have been some positive things that have happened. Absolutely. New York State, for example, recently passing legislation to... Finally, make it compulsory to have texture hair education be part and parcel of education for cosmetology students. We love to see it. What's your take? I mean, again, you've been doing this work, so I want to what's your response to it? Well, I love it. I love that they're doing I, I feel like this is like I do about the Crown Act. Mm -hmm. I love that we have it, but I hate that we need it like that. There's no, there's no getting around that. Right. But if it makes it so that people have to take texture seriously and stop making it an, an elective mm -hmm. and carrying it like it's the the side chick of education and saying, you know, that people have a choice. It's not oh. when we talk about being a, a, a be, having standards in the industry. We have to remember that texture has to be included from page one. I think I've been saying this since 2018. My God, yep. texture has to be included from day one. Like it has to be on the on the same page as every other texture because of every single part and uh, of the of the curriculum itself. So I think the legislation is saying, I don't know what y'all got to do to get it together, but you better get it together or it's going to be some issues. Uh -huh. And I think that's the spark that's needed. Now, everybody's not happy about it. They feel like it wasn't fully flushed out. They feel like, well, honey, we've had 400 years of not being flushed out. Yep. I think now putting a little pen in the paper because the pen is mightier than the sword, right? Putting a little ink on this paper will definitely light a fire up underneath some folks to do the right thing, whether they want it to or not. And it, it, it creates that sense of um, urgency mm. to be able to do it. And it's saying you got to figure this out. So now New York is being posed with with being with having to implement not only 
re-evaluating the curriculum at hand and is it inclusive from the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. And shout out to Diane DeCosta that helped my lady bring theirs up to standards, right? And I feel like I have not looked at it myself, but I have heard great things about it. So great. So now we have, I want to ask and look at all the other curriculums that are, you know, that are being used in these schools. But at the end of the day, we have to consider is the curriculum we're using inclusive and are the people teaching it Mm-hmm. capable. So now here's where the rubber meets the road. Now yep. you have to decide the school itself has to one hire more black people to teach the curriculum. But let me say this with a caveat. Don't hire no black, no one black teacher to try to teach this part because you don't want to and you are too lazy, emotionally lazy to learn. No, what I'm saying is having someone proficient enough so that as you are learning, they can help you create a a, a huge structure around it, like have real understanding by having a point of reference Mm -hmm. in the building, right? But making sure that your teachers can teach successfully and effectively and come with the sensitivity training because cultural competence is going to be paramount Mm -hmm. when it's time to teach these things because all of it is relevant. There's no way to get around that either, right? you got to learn that. And you have done a beautiful job of setting that up through your career. Well, I was trying to, but the folks have really cut up on me when I said stop staring at folks. So I mean, (laughs) but but you're right. I mean, you with and we're going to get into texture versus race, because I think that this is that nexus of where all of it comes together. But I mean, you have set the stage where hair is hair. It is a fabric. People should be able to work with every single. But there are all of these hang ups that are, again, put upon people, that people take up for themselves as related to these fabrics. Some of it, super fucked up. Some of it, okay. And and that cultural competency piece, I think, is going to be where, as you said, rubber meeting the road. It has to be. We'll see how it shakes out. But we have people like you who can help, um, which brings me to one of the only avenues for doing this kind of work in our industry remains the Texture versus Race Summit, which is coming back. This year, thank God. <laughs> Tell people who don't know what this is. What is it? How can they get involved? Um, because I think uh, having been there, it is a game changer. Um, and I want it to be everywhere. But but it's coming back to Baltimore in March to start. Baltimore, Maryland, March 17th through 19th. This is our multi-prong, super-layered efforts hmm? to educate align to network to dismantle to build up mm-hmm. communities right we are coming together in a way where we are giving opportunity to walk out this healthy curiosity for each other with permission and consent which you do such a good job i'd like i cannot stress that part enough the amount of people coming to the table, wanting to learn, taking this seriously, but having artists at the top of their field right. also consenting to that learning was, I think, like such a different. Even the models have to consent, mm-hmm. and give permission mm-hmm. because it's a part of the honoring. It's like it's like an introduction. Hi, Jeffrey. I'm Kia. Hi, Kia. I'm Jeffrey. Nice to meet you. Mm -hmm. We now in shaking hands 
have decided that we are meeting and we're going to have an exchange of some sort, right? There was an exchange that happened in that moment. Mm -hmm. But when we even get models, we fully tell them what the expectation is because we know that there's trauma living there. Mm -hmm. We know that there's going to be conversation over their heads that we want them to be healthy enough and prepared for, mm-hmm. right? Um, but when you come to texture versus race, this is about understanding that the education we have is across the entire macro spectrum of texture. Mm-hmm. And we want you to see them in live models, like one of our um, hydro discovery clinics, where we showed people in live models how that hair looks. And some of them were mis quotation marks, right? Misassigned because we intentionally pulled models that had softer hair that mimicked more of someone that would have been a tradition, like a white woman Mm -hmm. or straight or wavy. And then we had someone that was really racially ambiguous, like she looked white, but her hair was absolutely curly and coily. Like we wanted you to see that if you take the face away and we only concentrate on the hair for the most in a professional way mm-hmm. that you would limit the amount of fear that creeps in and has a seat. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, we allow people to dismantle their biases. We allow them to dispose of those stereotypes that they could say, oh, I thought this was going to be so hard. I've never do you know how many times I've heard I've never touched a black woman's hair. Let me tell you the oxymoron in that. You have touched this texture of hair. It just was on Miss Becky or whoever was sitting in your chair mm-hmm. that looks like you, whose skin color is closer to yours. So you feel like you've never touched a black woman's hair, but you've touched hair that can belong to anybody because black people do not have a monopoly on curly hair. You have always known how to how to adjust and shift and change the rules of engagement if the texture changes. You just don't know how to shift when a black person sits in your chair. So texture versus race gives you that those experiences of of touching all of these textures of hair and seeing how they work, how they work with the elements, how they respond to water and product and just how to approach it, like detangling, understanding, detoxing like that. That in itself is just worth the money and gold right there. Mm-hmm. People's lives, people have cried in the discovery um, sessions because they're like, I, I have been misled <laughs> and I've allowed myself to be here mm-hmm. and I've allowed fear to take over. And then most importantly, I also want to say text versus race isn't just for white people to explore black people. This is about black people understanding also that there are textures of hair that need to be understood and that the advancement of the industry has to be done on both sides in both ways. But we also carry a level of, like I said, honoring cultural sensitivity and diversity, equity, inclusion conversations uh, in the hinges of it all. Mm -hmm. But we have educators this year, which is different from last year. We have a lot more educators and influencer educators and branded educators. And of course, our dynamic collaborative team that are going to be doing things simultaneously. Classes will be going on simultaneously so that you could pick which one like aids to you. Like we want to bring in barbers this year as well. Mm. Right. Mm. And so having these multiple levels of education, which gives you more of a hair show feel. Right. Mm -hmm. But these people were handpicked because they're aligned with the message. Yep. That right there is paramount. The room is a, a culmination of people who are aligned. The brands were handpicked. 
because they have to have some type of alignment. They have to be doing some work. They're not perfect. Now, none of them are perfect. Let's go and say that right now. However, <laughs> are they doing work? Have they done some work? Are they willing to do some work? Yes. Yeah. It's a tight edit. I mean, I cannot speak highly enough of TPR and the summit specifically. I, I think just to, to comment to you, the amount of people that I'm still in touch with from this, you know, two and a half day event mm. almost two years ago. It, like I talk to these people every day in DMs and how are you doing it? Like and and to your comment, that's the community that I think so many people are looking for when they go to these hair shows and they get disappointed by because there's not those moments of vulnerability and opening up and exploring in a safe way, but that is afforded to everybody. Back to that. By TBR. Safety. Mm -hmm. We create and curate a sacred space of safety for everyone to speak mm -hmm. and to be under. We're not asking you to just say, oh, well, I'm an ally, I'm pro-black, I'm this, I've done all this work, but no, we're saying you don't have to agree with everything, but come with an open mind and a level of emotional intelligence to be able to talk about it. Mm. And to, because emotional intelligence, this means that you're willing to hear someone else so that you can add that to your repertoire of thoughts mm -hmm. and come up with whatever you feel is your opinion and your thoughts on it. Mm -hmm. That's it. Is am I willing and am I capable of listening to someone else to give me more information? Because what you think is your opinion, which we all think our opinions are facts, but the reality is, is that the sum of your opinions is just what you know to be true. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know anything else about this life, is that what you know is all you know and all you know ain't all there is to know. Mm. <laughs> you gotta know that what you know ain't all to know and you don't know everything. There has to be a moment where we are like sponges and we're able to walk out and, and really, really what I love about the community of TVR is that people get together saying, what about you? What about you? Let me know. Tell me, tell me more. And we are bonded by our differences, mm -hmm. right? We're all, let me say, we're attracted to our differences to bond in our similarities. Hmm. That's a better way to put it. I love that. You got to learn to want to understand people because of their differences, not in spite of their differences. Mm. Mm. That's that's TVR. TVR brings people together that when I walk down the street with them, people are like, y'all look like two completely <laughs> different people. Like my that's, one of my good true. girlfriends, Brenda Amaral <laughs> and Noel Weatherwax, they don't look like nobody that I would ever have conversation with. And they're like my best friends. Like they love me mm. and I love them. Noelle got, you know, tattoos all over and nose rings and everything else. And I'm like, we're like hugging on each other and <laughs> look like, look, I mean, you, our hearts feel like sisters, <laughs> me and Brenda, sisters. But when you look at us, we look completely different but we are bonded in ways that is unbreakable. And I think when people come to TVR, they I've seen people after TVR speaking for what you said. I saw people at TVR be on their on their uh, pages like, I came to visit my friend. And I'm like, you just met her at TVR, but mm -hmm. they're already, they're taking trips together. They're coming to visit. Yep. And I'm like, that's what it's supposed to be about. 
if you want to come to TVR, you got to come to TVR. Like there's no missing TVR. Like going to the big hair shows is fine. But if you want to come and get excellent education, community, understanding in a safe space that cultivates networking, no selling, nope. no flea market waiting to the last day, throwing stuff over the, over the stage. I'm talking about everything is given to you as a sampling for your understanding. We're cultivating relationships with the brands. They know that's their job there. Mm-hmm. They're not selling anything. They're there to win you by showing you who they are in this thing. And that's why they were chosen. Oh, I'm so excited about this. March is not that far away. Where can people get these tickets? Absolutely. Textureversusrace.com. Y'all go on. If you get in my inbox, because if you are listening to this and you DM me and say, I heard about Texture versus Race on Read the Tees, volume up, I will send you a special coupon code to take money off, but you must DM me and say that. I listened to this. That means you've listened to the whole thing. That means you've heard my spill. You understand my heart. And this is at the end. So if you got here, you better have listened to this podcast. You got here. (laughs) You deserve this discount. It's gonna be so, it's gonna be so good that you're not gonna be able to resist. Mm. There's no way you're gonna not be at TVR, but only if you got this far, you're gonna DM me, Kia Artistically Neil, on Instagram, Kia Artistically, K-E-Y-A Artistically, or Texture versus Race. Boom. If you, I'm going to check it. There's going to be no limit on it. If you, if you hear it, I know you were in it to win it. You, you like, you, you are here for this. All right, Kia. Look, before we let you go, yeah. Um, and we've covered everything. We got a few more things, and those are our quick takes. These are different this time, though. Okay. And again, you've been here twice before, which we thank you for. First question: the most unique style or fashion trend that you've ever embraced and you have been known to change up your look so i like what is the thing where you're like i really did that like that was something i did let me see let me see you know what i shaved all my hair off once yeah back in 1990 wait a minute I'm gonna say 99. And let me tell you why I know this. It was like 90, 98, 99, because I was told that I looked like Eve. Mm. Yeah, when my hair was extremely short, it was short and it was blonde and it was red sometimes, but it was like mm. barbershop short, like just brushable. Mm. And when I look back at that now, I'm like, you really cut all of your hair off. Like I had no hair and it was beautiful. But at the time, Eve was very short at the time too. Mm. And so people constantly thought, you know, and of course, you know, it was around that time where back that thing up. So I always reference the year when I go, you know, the, you know, they're taking over in the nine, nine and two thousands. Yep. Core memory. (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, hopefully this is not the same response. What was the worst haircut that you ever had? And when was that? The worst haircut? Yep. Okay, I'm gonna tell you, I actually was nominated for the Steve Harvey um, Hoodie Awards. It was it was an award show about black artists, black entrepreneurs. So it was mm-hmm. best car wash, best restaurant, best hair salon, best blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So I was nominated and I remember letting someone cut my hair at the last minute to go and they cut, mm-hmm. I had a pixie. And, and this was before Disconnect really came out now, like disconnected haircuts wasn't quite in, but I was disconnected, mm-hmm. but it was more pluggy. They had plugged out my taper 
on the side. And I mean, I had gaping holes and I was so uh, I was I, I don't know what the word was, but I was sick because I was going on like the Steve Harvey show like. You know, we were press and yeah. I mean, it was a big thing. It's a big deal. And I got a bad haircut and we laugh about it now, but I for anyone sure I wasn't laughing back then with holes in the side of my head. So <laughs> that was the worst haircut. <laughs> uh, well, I'm hoping that there's no photo evidence. Oh, I fixed it up after that. I fixed okay. I could okay. fix Of course it you did. Of course <laughs> you did. Uh, all right. So I mean, we've talked about 2024 is really coming in hot. Um, hot. You know, it's stressing some people out. Is your phone screen time up or down this week? Are you really like craning through it or putting it away? No, down. Okay. Yeah. All right. I love that for you. Down. No, really. And I'm saying down because I'm not going to let these folks stress me. You, you got, you, you going to need to go get some therapy for this stuff right here. And if you're not doing the work, there's no need to be arguing with you. I posted the most poignant post and just really quick, I'm going to tell you, they said that I only debate with my peers, all others I teach. And I mean that. Yep. That that that's it. So no, my screen time isn't up going back and forth with, with crazy people. Like my, I am in touch with the folks that love it. Mm. The last question, Kia, uh, that we got for you. Imagine that you could teleport anywhere. Where would you go to right now? Is it right where you are? Is it somewhere else? Africa. Okay. Whereabouts? You know what? I don't even know if any place in particular. I think I just would love to be in a place where I felt safe. That's real. Where my, my blackness was viewed as a virtue and it wasn't a disability. Mm. Well, I don't know how we end it on a more poignant note. Um, I think that that sums up so much of our conversation and so much of the work that you're doing. Um, hopefully one day it's going to be a better place here. It will be. And it's going to be a testament to the work that you and others have been doing uh, Kia, it's always a pleasure to have you on the podcast. We love it that you've been here now three times. You'll have to come back for four and five. We'll see you in March for Texture versus Race Summit. Um, and yeah, come back anytime you want. Thank you for, for all that you've been up to um, and for all of the stuff that you're going to keep on doing because uh, we know that you're not going to stop. No, we're not going to stop. We're not going to stop. We're going to keep going. I'm leaning in, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel more inspired than I ever have. I'm like, oh, that's what you said, huh? Okay. <laughs> Oh my god. That's how you feel, huh? Gotcha. All right, Jeff. So Kia, I mean, she broke it down all the different ways. What an interesting, thoughtful interview. Yeah. I mean, love having her on the podcast. Yeah. Obviously, she's been here two times before. We strongly encourage you guys to go and listen to those episodes. She did you all a solid too, and there is a discount code going your way if you do what she says so just you know i mean gifts on gifts on gifts uh, but we love having key on the podcast indeed be sure to hit subscribe rate and review and follow us on instagram facebook twitter youtube and tiktok at read the tease and send in questions to volume up at the tease.com volume up is the tease media production this episode was produced by monica hickey and madeline hickey Brian Daly is our editor and audio engineer. Thank you to Josh Landowski and Nathan Folks for the custom volume of theme song. And thank you to our creative team for putting together the graphics for this episode.